and welcome to your favourite teacher. So um, the exams are looming and everyone's probably feeling the pressure. So I thought I'd do a couple of podcasts just to set your mind at ease, going through some basic parts of some of the main texts that you might be studying. So I'm just going to start with Jekyll and Hyde. So the text is written by Robert Louis Stevenson. So when you're talking, referring to the author, you want to be saying Stevenson this, Stevenson that. So The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is a classic example of gothic fiction. It was written in 1885, so the period that this written is Victorian, although he also sort of straddles the modern age. And this is significant when you begin to look at the influences for the different characters, um, the setting and the plot. Right, if we have a look at the background of the author and the world where this story has come from, um, we need to bear in mind that there are lots of things that might have influenced their their fiction and their story writing. So Dr. Jekyll might have been based on someone that Stevenson knew, but also you need to realise that he's a character in his own right and a vital cog in the narrative wheel. So remember, these characters are literary constructs and not real people. Stevenson was born in 1859 in Scotland and actually when we see the setting, even though it's set on the streets of London, a number of the descriptions reflect Edinburgh at that time when he was growing up, in particular the divide between the old and the new parts of town. Um, Sorry, you can hear my dog drinking very loudly. Ignore that. Uh, The Victorian era is one that was very strict. So you get your context marks, not just by spouting off facts about the Victorian era, but by realising that that would have influenced the themes of identity and secrecy um, because of these rules and regulations. So on the surface, the era era, um, is one that has lots of rules. And as you dig deeper, you get to see the darker side of society. And he reflects that through the way he portrays the darker side of the human mind and psyche, namely in the characters, of course, of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So Stevenson was very ill as a child and was tended to by um, an extremely devout Christian nurse, um, which might explain all of the religious undertones in his work. He had a strong sense of good and evil instilled and was constantly reminded of the consequence of sin. So this idea of actions and their consequences um, is certainly quite prevalent in the novella. He used to have lots of nightmares and um, they really did plague him for his whole life. Supposedly this story might have actually been written in in one of his nightmares um, or it could be a consequence of sort of a drugged, fueled frenzy. Um, both things that um, potentially might be what Hyde represents. Um, so Stephen saw, Stevenson saw humans as dualistic creatures. I'm going to do a podcast on dualism in a bit, but what this means is that there are two sides of us, split personalities, um, which are in equal measure both good and evil. And he was very fascinated by some of the rather gruesome criminals of the time period, and some of those might have inspired him. So I've talked in another podcast about these, but just as a refresher, we've got William Deacon Brodie, who appeared to be an upright citizen by day, but was... um, a cripple by night, a criminal by night, sorry. Um, And Stevenson may have actually started writing a script based on his life. We can see him in the character of Jekyll, who's an upstanding citizen in a respectable profession, a doctor. Um, Remember, that's a good piece of evidence, just the fact that he's called Dr. Jekyll. 
but he also has a dark side who comes out at night, Mr. Hyde. He's also inspired by Burke and Hare, who were two criminals, again, very respectable by day, but used to murder people to sell dead bodies to the medical college for dissection. I mean, that is quite extreme. It's, you know, a very dodgy way of making money. So, um, we, this is obviously <laughs> possibly an example of the devils of science at work, or scientific heresy, as Enfield may have called it. Um, Enfield's one of those characters, uh, the other doctor who really opposes Jekyll. And there are a number of other ideas that go into this creation of Hyde. One of those is the idea of the taboo. Um, so in Victorian times, there were lots of things that were considered socially unacceptable. I've already said it was a lot more strict than now. Um, and a taboo is something that you were forbidden from doing by society, law, or um, because of religion. So taboo in this era may have been, you know, getting drunk, doing drugs, homosexuality, in fact, anything sexual, criticising religion or the monarchy. These things were so socially unacceptable that people were forced to either suppress them, so keep them trapped inside, keep them hidden, hide, da, 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 or else um, live part of their lives in secrecy. And so both of these things we see in the character of Jekyll. So, as we review the plot, I'm just going to go through literally very, very, very bullet point list of what happens in each chapter. I want you to consider those things that I've just talked about and how they've influenced the story. Because you don't get those context marks um, just by saying, uh, you know, reciting information like this. You actually have to see how it influences the writer, Stevenson, and get those AO2 marks, those writer's methods, and those AO1 marks, your understanding, if you can understand why Stevenson's writing about this. So you don't just need to limit yourself to the six context marks, or however many marks it is. Uh, I think it's six. Um, you actually can use all of this information to to demonstrate your understanding of the story where you can get, that's how you're going to get really high marks on this part of the paper. So chapter one, story of the door. You should know this, guys, but if you don't, I'm just going to run through it. Um, Mr. Utterson and his friend Mr. Enfield are out for their weekly Sunday walk and they come across a strange door on the side of the street and Mr. Enfield talks about seeing this strange, um, disgusting looking man trample a small girl. He talks about how a crowd have gathered and um, they make him pay compensation but what worries the Utterson is that the compensation was paid for by his friend Dr. Jekyll. So he comes out with a cheque and Dr. Jekyll is the man who has signed it. So chapter two, search for Mr. Hyde. Mr. Utterson's becoming more concerned um, by the story and he has a look at the will that he's written for his friend Dr. Jekyll and examines it more closely and, and sees that he has left all of his money to a man named Hyde. So he questions a friend of Jekyll's, Dr. Lanyon, who says that he hasn't spoken for Jekyll for many years and they talk about one of the reasons why they've fallen apart is their differing views on science. Utterson vows to find Hyde, um, one of those, if he, if he shall be Mr. Hyde, I shall be Mr. Seek, uh, one of those great quotes, very clever pun there. Um, and when he actually does, so he stands by the strange door and waits for him, he just is overcome with this sense of evil and he becomes so worried um, that he has like a nightmare about it. 
Chapter three, Dr. Jekyll was quite a tease. Um, so in this chapter, things seem pretty normal. Um, Jekyll's holding a dinner party and uh, they discuss Lanyon and the falling out and Jekyll really reassures him that there's nothing to worry about Hyde. He says he can be rid of Hyde at a moment's notice. Chapter four, the Carew murder case. So nearly a year later, a man of high society noticed that in fact, all of the men in this, well, and there's not really any women, all of the men of this are of high society. So this is a real insight into the um, respectable social uh, conduct. So this is Sir Danvers Carew, and he is really brutally clubbed to death. And this murder is witnessed by a young maid, and when Utterson goes, he sees uh, the walking stick that he knows actually belongs to Jekyll. He then goes to Hyde's house and it's clear that he's tried to destroy evidence and has made a quick exit. Chapter 5, the incident of the letter. Utterson reveals Jekyll, um, Utterson visits Jekyll and inquires if he is hiding Hyde following the murder. And he's really shocked by how Jekyll looks. He's very ill and pale, but he, he guarantees that he is done with Hyde. Um... He says that he Hyde has written him this letter, but it's a bit suspicious because there's no postmark on the letter and it's done in quite similar handwriting to Jekyll's. And the clerk um, says that he, he didn't notice anyone dropping a letter by. So it's all very fishy. And this is all really part of the gothic genre. So what that means is that we have suspicion. We have scientific, um, un the unknown scientific realms and things like, you know, stories like Frankenstein where science experiments go wrong and this kind of eerie, just, we're just a bit on edge. We know that something's going on. Stevenson wants us to know that something's going on, but we just don't know what it is. We don't know if Jekyll's being blackmailed or what is going on with Hyde, if he's some mysterious brother. So chapter six, um, the remarkable incident of Dr. Lanyon. Hyde has gone and Jekyll is back to his old self and Aston's feeling quite relieved, but then suddenly that all shifts and he refuses to see Utterson and he goes to Lanyon to try and figure out what's going on and finds Lanyon on his deathbed and refusing to mention Jekyll. Lanyon then dies in this chapter and leaves a letter to be opened on the death or disappearance of Dr. Jekyll. I mean... I don't know how Utterson resisted just tearing into that, but I think that maybe shows something about his sense of obligation, his loyalty, his respectability. The fact that he didn't just, it's a bit like reading somebody's diary, but oh gosh, I would have just torn that letter right open and we would have got to the end much quicker. But no, we don't find out what Lanyon has written in his letter until the very end. Chapter seven then, the incident at the window. This is where Enfield and Utterson see Jekyll through his window and he looks terrified and slams the window shut. This is actually part of this extract was in last year, so um, 2017's exam, which was super lucky because all of my kids came to a Saturday enhancement where we used the same extract. Just saying, I'm the best. But um, 
this is where we see we have uh, quotes like disconsolate prisoner um, because they look at Jekyll and he is trapped and this barrier of the window so we talk about how windows and doors are symbols that Stevenson uses and we really see this in this um, in this chapter so chapter eight this is kind of the last chapter where it's not just someone else's narrative so chapter eight is called the last night and this is where we get to the the end of the action but not really think things haven't really been explained so it's sort of the end and then there's almost like an epilogue with the Lanyon's narrative and and Jekyll's full statement so Paul comes over to Uston's house and insists he comes because Jekyll isn't coming out of the laboratory and that there's a there's a voice that's been calling out for a chemical which no one can seem to find and so the pair of them Paul and Uston break in to confront confront the person who they believe to be Hyde once they're there they see a body twitching inside Jekyll's clothes and that body is much smaller than Jekyll and is holding a test tube and there's a will on it um, on the table which leaves everything to Uston and there's also a letter containing Jekyll's confession um, and Aston says he will return once he's read it. So that's the end of the story, but it's not the end of the book. So we then have chapter nine. And this is Utterson, now that Jekyll has disappeared or died, on Lanyon's request, reads the letter. And Lanyon describes details of events that happened um, a few weeks prior, where Jekyll asked him to collect a drawer containing a chemical and take it to his home and someone will will meet him at midnight and Lanyon agrees and is greeted by a small hideous man we now know that that's Hyde and the man says um he can either take the potion there or take it away and Lanyon just says to take it there because he wants to know what's going on and as the character Hyde takes the potion he transforms into Dr Jekyll and Lanyon is so shocked by what he sees that this caused him to become terminally ill and eventually die so we sort of understand what's going on that that Jekyll is is and Hyde are the same person are they the same person it's still pretty confusing and so now Utterson finally reads um, Jekyll's confession which is chapter 10 Jekyll details exactly what's happened over the course of the events in the novel so the whole novel has been seen um, from a really sort of third person perspective where we're following Utterson's investigation uh, we've never really seen things from the perspective of Jekyll or Hyde in, in first person, and we get that here. His experiment starts off as scientific curiosity, where he wanted to see if he could split up his good side and his bad side. You know, we've talked about Victorian society, and his bad side really wouldn't have been accepted. He wouldn't be able to be um, a respectable doctor and and act the way that his his inner um his inner soul wants to act so he then became addicted to splitting these sides and eventually lost control of when he was turning into Hyde and it became harder and harder for him to get the chemical so we've got illusions here of drug addiction there's so many different levels of this story 
and that's really Jekyll explaining what happened. He he became addicted to um, well, he, it's not so much that he was addicted to the potion, but he lost control of when he was able to be himself and when he was able to be Hyde. So we don't return to Utterson. We don't get to see his thoughts on it, and the story is really left kind of almost. Um, inconclusively we don't the whole thing has been quite an odd structure the way that that we've been led along this clues by Utterson um and and it's super creepy you know monsters you know turning into what is turning into something spooky potions all of these things fit with the gothic genre so that's all all 10 chapters it is quite a small book so I mean please I really hope you've read it (laughs) But hopefully now you have a clear understanding of both the plot and the background to Stevenson's Jekyll and Hyde.